two years ago, Madoc Lolaire turned against his own family and threw the kingdom of Crovan into civil war. Along with the church that named Splendor Karen a heretic for their veneration of gods long forgotten, Madoc bound the great houses to his will and drove out his own blood. Now, Madoc sits the throne and consolidates power through an alliance with the calculating house Gear. The rebel crown Kieran has returned from exile to seek both retribution and vindication. They will see Madoc deposed, his crimes revealed, and the old gods restored to their rightful place. With Kieran is an unlikely trio of retainers. Rowan Byrne, a mysterious outlaw with ties to the Fenag witches. Harvest Honeysuckle, the royal executioner under both Kieran and Madoc, now pledging their life to Kieran's cause. And last, Kieran's own blood, Venner Crace, a decorated soldier who tasted betrayal at Madoc's hands before even the usurpation. Through their bonds to one another and their shared purpose, the retinue will forge a new future for a kingdom haunted by its past. Hey everyone, presenting Speculate Rebel Crown, our new actual play miniseries starring Alex Axe, Dong Wan Song, Gregory A. Wilson, and Brandon O'Brien, with me, Michael R. Underwood, GMing. You can watch episodes live on twitch.tv slash Arvin Elleron once a month, or one day later at youtube.com slash Arvin Elleron. Also, Patreon backers get access to behind-the-scenes material from the Session Zero we recorded with the group to my GM prep and more. Rebel Crown is a forged-in-the-dark game of courtly intrigue, obsessive ambition, and perilous conflict created by Michael Dunn O'Connor and Narrative Dynamics. Learn more about Rebel Crown at https forward slash forward slash narrative dynamics forward slash rebel dash crown. Hope you'll check it out and stay tuned for the next episode. Hi everybody, it's me, Brandon O'Brien, the GM for yet another Speculate special event on this channel. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Tonight is going to be very exciting. I'm very excited to see what, what shenanigans me and our crew will get into this evening. I've been thinking about this for a while now. This has been consuming several of my brain cells permanently for quite some time. This evening, for tonight's speculate special event of girl by moonlight which i will have so many lovely things to say about very very soon before we get into the actual thing i'm just going to briefly point out that the designer of girl by moonlight andrew gillis just so happens to be joining us this evening thank you so very much actual factual for being present i i'm very glad to be able to show off this game i've been thinking about girl by moonlight ever since it was announced. I can't wait for people to actually get their hands on a book that says Girl by Moonlight and get the opportunity to play it because it looks rad. And I'm very hype about getting to play it for you all right now and giving you all the opportunity to see it as well. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to switch over to some lovely friends of mine. Uh, but first, I'm going to interrupt them while they were obviously having a very thoughtful conversation um, My other tour guide that I'm sure I just like totally ruined. They could have been, <laughs> they could have been like solving so many of the world's problems right now, and I just decided to barge in 
and insist if they would like to play a game with me, um, which makes me a very terrible person. But still, I'm very excited to ha- have all of these strange friends with me here this evening. Hi, everybody. I'm so very excited for us to get into Girl by Moonlight because I, I am almost running out of excited things to say about this game and we will get into all of the delightful stuff that we are prepared to engage in very, very soon. But before we do that, I would like very much for all of my strange friends to please introduce yourselves to the lovely folks in chat by please letting everybody know who you are and what you do, starting with Mike. Hey everybody, Mike. I publish as Michael R. Underwood. I write kind of inclusive action-adventure often with a found family element. My latest novel is Annihilation Aria, which is kind of like if you took the 1999 Rachel Weisz, Brandon Fraser, The Mummy, and smushed it together with Guardians of the Galaxy. So that is a fun one. And I'm one of the three co-hosts who speculate. And I also Twitch stream video games at twitch.tv slash turbotango. He, him pronouns for me. I don't know about the character yet. They don't exist. Not yet, but they will. Next, Valerie. Hello, hello. I am Valerie Valdez. I am also an author, pronouns she, her. My books are Chilling Effects, Pride Deceptions, and forthcoming Fault Tolerance, coming in May. Uh, they are also found family space operas that pair super duper well with Mike's book. And I also write things like poetry and short fiction. You can find that online. And I stream on Twitch as the kids are asleep, mostly video games like Secret Mana and Mass Effect and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, next, Yoi. Hello, Time Zone friends. I am Yoi Gawain-Lin, pronouns today. I am a game and fiction writer. Again, character does not exist. No pronouns or even anything at all, really, for them. So that'll be interesting. Cannot wait to see what happens. <laughs> and Yori. Yori Kusano, they, them, pronouns, clearing West Class of 2017. Mainly I'm a feral moomin, but sometimes I do write things. But most of those things are tweets. Honestly, I think the main thing I do now is play Yu-Gi-Oh! Ah. There are no, no character pronouns yet, but there will be later. <laughs> I am excited for this. So am I. And, again, for me, I am Brandon O'Brien. I will be... I don't like the word game master because I'm not a master of anything. So I like stage manager. I will be the stage manager for this game. He, they pronouns. Uh, I am a writer, poet, and game designer from Trinidad and Tobago, as well as one of the co-hosts of Speculate, alongside Michael R. Underwood and Gregory A. Wilson, otherwise known as Arvan Elrond. And you can find out more information about Speculate at speculatesf.com. And your support of Speculate via patreon.com slash speculate helps us continue to do cool things like Play a game that does not exist yet, so you get to see how cool it is. Because Girl by Moonlight is very cool, and I'm very excited to dig into it further. So, we should begin, of course, by discussing what series we want to play. We have been thinking about this for quite some time. All of the series playbooks for Girl by Moonlight are very enticing. We spent a lot of time genuinely debating uh, how many of them we all want to play. But we did settle on a thing... Mike, what did we settle on? We will be playing In a Maze of Dreams, about a magical-slash-dream conspiracy. Aha! And I should, just for the sake of letting people know all of the cool things that are in this rulebook, I should actually find what the rulebook says as description for In a Maze of Dreams. Dream travelers seeking the truth of a magical conspiracy. 
In A Maze of Dreams is about desire, mass culture, and ideas developing a life of their own. It is filled with guarded hearts whose truth can only be found in dreams. The protagonists are tangled up in the conspiracy, a multifarious sinister plot, a virus of human thoughts. They seek to unravel the conspiracy, lest it devour our dreams and make a nightmare of the waking world. So this sounds delightfully weird. Y'all know I like weird. If you've ever seen any episodes of The Case of the Cinder Seal, you know that I like wild things happening because they can. So dreams and playing with dream logic, definitely up my alley. So what does everyone else think? Before we actually get into character setting stuff, I'd just like to hear some of your initial thoughts about why you wanted to play this one. I love surreal shit where the dream world and the real world are bleeding into each other. Definitely my touchstones for how I'm thinking about this are Boogie Pop Never Laughs and Serial Experiments Lane. Mm -hmm. I think we can get into some really interesting stuff about the boundaries of identity with this theme. Ah, I'm very intrigued by that as well. Yoi, what are your thoughts? For me, going off of touchstones, for something that's always interested me is the idea of liminal space. Spaces that are both there and not there, but also eternal. And uh, as a result, something that's always kind of struck a chord in me are um, various stories from various folkloric traditions that usually involve a character going into the spirit world or the supernatural world or, I guess, like the most publicized manifestation of this would be like going into the Fey realm and then coming back and uh, the character is aged like decades, whereas only a few years have passed for them. Mm -hmm. So the perception of time, the perception of what life has been lived in that perception of time and what has been lost as a result when you come back. There's been a lot of very interesting things I've dug up just going back to like my own neuroscience roots, like thinking about the hallucinations or um, the alternate lives that people kind of flash through um, when they've had um, traumatic brain injuries, and uh, they come back and it's all, they're, they're left almost with a sense of grief because they've lived an entire life while um, at the hospital or unconscious or something like that, and they come back and suddenly life is just not the same anymore because they've had a whole other lifetime experience. So. Yeah, a rambling uh, explanation of what I'm pulling from here. Yeah, definitely. You are allowed to ramble today. Valerie, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to also echo Lane as a touchstone for me. There's also a really old show that got canceled prematurely called BR5, which involved the ability to delve into people's dreams. And it was about solving a mystery. Brandon, are you, are you remembering the show? Yes, I remember this. Oh my god, BR5 was actually wild. For real. And and so, um, yeah, that was <laughs> that's another good one for me. But I'm also uh, interested, like you were saying, in the middle spaces. And I'm going to pull in also the Silent Hill stuff, because I, I'm really interested in the idea of contamination and crossover and the ways in which the sort of dream world can contaminate and and infect the waking world. And that definitely appealed to me here as well. And also the, the notion of being able to control one world via controlling the other and vice versa, really, I found interesting. And Mike? So I'm a person who mostly doesn't remember their dreams. 
So like I'll remember a dream more than 10 minutes after waking like once every season or two. And so therefore for me, dreams and like the dreaming and dream logic is already kind of an elusive, strange thing, which I think makes it uh, an interesting kind of landscape to play through and in for me. And like I did uh, undergrad and graduate work in mythology and folklore and like, you know, night hagging and cultural contextualization thereof and urban legends and like uh, Jungian pop psychology that was treated more seriously now uh, decades ago and is now largely regarded as bunk, but can be interesting for creative work. That's kind of my vibe with this. As for me, I tried not to push anyone, but this is the one that I was hoping everybody would pick because I have a bag of touchstones that I just kind of dropped on everybody when we said that we were going to play this. The Persona games, Paprika, which I'm very glad like is like in the same kind of space as this game. Some Kamen Rider series, which I'm not going to bore you with all of my rambling thoughts at this moment, but trust me, I have a lot of Kamen Rider thoughts that fit into this game. So I'm very excited to not only explore like some of the weird and strange imagery that comes out of dreams and dreamscapes, but also I think that using dreams as narrative motifs are like very enriching in a way that I'm very excited to explore. Like how can you learn things about yourselves and your fellow PCs and NPCs through what is being described around you? So I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really like uh, playing with that as we create some setting stuff. We should begin our setup for In a Maze of Dreams by asking and answering some questions about the series itself. First, the conspiracy. What is the conspiracy? An ideology tur- turned virus? A single dream that plagues the world? A toxic cultural movement? History haunting the present, or the pull of some alien mind. And I will say as well that if there is something that emerges from these descriptions that does not necessarily fit, but still plays within the realm of those things, I am fully open to us discovering a thing as well. You do not have to pick something that is from the sheet. Personally, I do like history coming back for the present. Mostly because, again, touching on liminal space and folkloric ideas, liminal space is always portrayed as something that is very old, that has hung around and kind of lingered at the edge of um, everyday unthinking life. And, you know, sometimes it creeps through. Sometimes, I don't know, the stars and the metaphysical forces align just so that um, on certain festival days, the veil grows thin. Um... And, you know, you have to reckon with your history and all of that kind of stuff. And also, returning from liminal space again, you're reckoning with what has happened, your own personal history. So that's kind of the one I gravitate to immediately. Okay. I love it. Let's heal some generational trauma. I'm very excited to dig into that and figure out exactly what that means in this context as well. These strange moons can fit so much generational trauma. Oh my god. I think there's also ways to blend these like i'd be interested in seeing history haunting the present blended with a single dream that plagues the world because that makes me think about how history is shaped what narratives become dominant etc 
I'm especially interested in history haunting the present, uh, present mixed with something else. Because that does give me a kind of impression of wrestling with a kind of cultural guilt as well, but through a kind of language that exonerates people who do not deserve to be exonerated or justifies actions that cannot be justified and clashing with that in the dream uh, might be potentially interesting. So yeah, cool. Next, what is its impulse? To reshape our dreams? To drive us to self-destruction? To make us shed our bodies? To shatter the barrier between waking and dreaming? To instill an alien morality in us? Or to turn reality to farce? I'd be really interested in a blend of driving us to self-destruction and instilling an alien morality in us, because... I think there are a lot of social structures that are working towards those two aims in tandem. <laughs> Noted. I'm both tempted by and appalled by to turn reality to farce because that feels a little real for the album right now, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Is reality a farce right now? Maybe we're yeah. dreaming at this moment. Oh my god. Uh, or maybe we just live in absurdist theater. Yeah, because oh <laughs> some of these, like if we're doing history to shatter the barrier between awaking and dreaming, does that mean that the conspiracy seeks to annihilate time in like a like a Dark Soulsy way? I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. I would be down for that. Also, it would allow me to work in the idea of shedding your flesh. Being released from your mortal prison. Neat. <laughs> That's the three threads for all of our campaigns now. It's neat. Just me. If I say I'm not going to talk about the Fade and Dragon Age, is everyone going to give me a, a gold star? <laughs> it's like, Valerie didn't talk about Dragon Age. Wait, I just did, damn it. Oh, God. You don't have to hold back. We can have a bingo card for like the things that we will talk about. Yeah, so we can have an ocean of such there is uh, the fade in another square. There's me in another one. Mm-hmm. And a parents of birds somewhere on that bingo card. That is extremely necessary. Yes. I haven't talked about birds yet, but I will at some point. <laughs> it is guaranteed. Noted. Next. Who are its hosts? A secret society? Artists and luminaries? A cabal of sorcerers? An online gestalt, a sentient dream, or ghosts and echoes. I like the idea of a sentient dream, because history acts as its own enemy, almost, in terms of how its interpretation and how it pervades social discussion kind of morphs and changes on its own, in its own weird little quirks. So I like the idea of like the thing that the characters might be trying to change having its own mind and having its own impulses, if not uh, things. Aha. I'm definitely intrigued by the ways in which different conspirators might be attempting to manipulate that directly for their own purposes, which sort of implies a secret society, but I would want the two to be working in tandem if so, because yeah, I think that I think the notion of it, it reminds me of AI and the ways in which AIs can be so quickly corrupted, like watching chatbots become Nazis in real time and the horror of it. 
And mm-hmm. so something like that, where it's like, there's a very clear will and sort of secondary entity that is being unreasonably influenced potentially by, by bad actors. And also how that kind of ties into like the very classic trope of, oh, we thought we were in control of this thing that we discovered and wanted to use to our own ends. But it's gotten out of control. It's broken out of the lab. I'm a geologist. Rock on table. We've got rock on floor. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, God. I was going to say, I like how this, like, accidentally leans back into the the ideolo- the ideology turned virus space of the conspiracy, where there is a thing that we are tapping into because we thought that it gives us power, but it is attempting to control us as well, and we are not noticing it, which I think is very intriguing. So... I take it that we're settled on that then, a sentient dream, just to make sure that I'm not missing anyone else's thoughts. I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around how all of these things are fitting together in terms of the conspiracy is a single dream. Its hosts are a sentient dream. Are those, this, are those one and the same? Is the conspiracy, this conspiracy and the host, are those semiotically, psychologically, or, and or spiritually coterminous? Or are, is it, is, is like, is a, any given host like a metonym for the conspiracy itself? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think the dream might be dreaming itself, and then the people it is using as hosts become just its little appendages out in the world. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of the distinction between the conscious and the subconscious, mm-hmm. that it is perfectly possible for some layer of this distinction to be the part of the dream that is aware of itself and the part of the dream that itself is not, even though it still acts and has uh, thoughts and motivations. And how do you reckon with both of those things, for instance? I'm definitely interested with, like, that Cartesian idea of I think, therefore I am. So the idea that the dream is creating itself and perpetuating itself really appeals to me. Yeah, I did that a lot. Next. By what vector does it infect us? Insular communities and coded language. Hopes and desires. Passions and conflict. Fashion and ritual. Consumption and excess. Or a half-forgotten song. I I really love the... Go ahead, Mike. I want to make a pitch for fashion and ritual. Because fashion extremists. I mean, yeah, we get... Imagine all of the weird addresses that I get to describe now. Then I, I would like to build the insular communities and coded language around these subcultures of fashion. Okay. My immediate thought was yes, as in just like all of them. <laughs> it's just, I was like, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. For me too, um, if we were going to draw off the idea of like history being the driving force, history and so much of like the idea of things being haunted a lot of it ties to a specific place like a place being like the scene of something terrible happening perpetuated over time or a place being like the site of one singular extremely terrible event that may or may not have been forgotten and since location in itself has such a strong impacting factor on like what kind of clothes um, you come up with what kind of materials you have to create those clothing, what colors that you would have access to in order like, to make these things. Again, it depends on what kind of world ultimately we are creating. But 
I think it would be really, really easy and also very fitting to like tie all of that together through your history book too. Because I do think that they come together in this very interesting, semi-contradictory, but perfectly melded way, where the thing that is being described is supposed to be counter-culture, but it has since just become culture, and, like, still considers itself, like, rebellious and contradictory, but has been so thoroughly consumed and made part of the space that it's in that it can say whatever it wants but everybody is already at least marginally aware that it exists and is either in favor of it or never has really thought about it much which i think is a really interesting because it means that we also get to play with that subconscious awareness of whether people know that it's there in the kind of way that everybody buys coke but nobody knows why they buy coke they just buy coke because they've seen coke which I think would be very interesting as well. Next, the waking world belongs to everyone and no one. What defines the waking world? Choose one or two. Looming spires, the press of bodies, crisscrossing wires, media saturation, protests and riots, smog and haze. I kind of go for uh, spires and haze. Because, you know, fog, liminal space, ooh, and then, like, the creepiness of, like, a physical landmark kind of pulling into view. I immediately think of, like, the Midwest and gas stations as liminal spaces, and, you know, you're driving down that long, lonely highway, you see that, like, oh, that one little protruding, whoop, whoop, of a gas station, you go there, and then you leave, and then you look behind the mirror, if you, you know break the rule of never looking behind in the mirror and it's not there anymore. I think we could make a case for media saturation and the press with bodies based on Mike's ideas about fashion and ritual because these are things that are enacted by being enacted and transmitted by being in proximity to others. Whether that is the mental proximity created by media or actual physical proximity of observing the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah we start to raise the question of like, what what sort of dystopia do we want this to kind of be embedded in slash emerging from slash undermining? Because there's the version of this where we include uh, protests and riots and like just go all the way into like return of the repressed history, like re- reasserting itself against forces of like erasure and like uh, smoothing out of of everything into kind of a, a digestible narrative of reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really interested in the kind of dystopia that the characters have not fully examined. So something that is pleasant and decent on the surface, and the only reason it's apparent as a dystopia is the specific pressures being leveraged against our protagonists would be very interesting to me. Aha. Uh-huh. Valerie, what stands out to you? I feel like, I, I think that the visual nature of looming spires appeals to me in the sense of locating this in an urban environment rather than a suburban or rural environment. And because I, I think that if we have two things that we're going to pick from here, I feel like one of them should be a visual, but that's just, I don't know, my writer brain, I guess. But then the other thing being 
media saturation, I think, makes sense if what we're going for is that kind of um, just given the other stuff that we've talked about so far in terms of the sentient dream and infecting us via communities, coded language, fashion and ritual, that feels to me like media would probably be involved, but I feel like I could also make a case for uh, any of the other ones, honestly. Coded notes and telegrams and all that kind of thing. I, I do kind of like the idea of like media control going back to analog as opposed to de- defaulting back to like, oh, everything is like digitally transmitted and stuff. Like just people passing like notes to each other in the streets or, you know, messages being painted on walls or even if we want to go back to like Victorian times, like fan language or umbrella language or signalings with handkerchiefs and stuff like that. Bringing in fashion, I think about like how in certain communities the way that you wear the laces on your boots matters, and mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that we could potentially bring into this as an analog form of communication: tattoos, graffiti, fashion. Well, am I going to have to f- create a clothing cant for this game? Because I will. We could go Great Gatsby and just have a green light everywhere <laughs> and confuse everyone about what that means. I also like the notion of like attempting to outwit surveillance with face paint and things like that. There's there's basically mm-hmm. like anti-surveillance clothing and makeup and things like that that are really cool to think about. Yeah, like a, a media saturation with a a much higher degree of tangibility compared to like the kind of standard sub Gibsonian cyberpunk, where there's just tons of like AR and VR. You know, if media saturation includes like there's always music or there's always announcements and anything else that's like really textural seems very interesting. The notion of like permanent Google Glass situation where you have literal pop up ads that will happen anytime you pass a certain location or sort of a visual representation in I think my second book, I had um, the equivalent of Pokestops, basically, where it's like, yeah, you pass a place and suddenly here you go, you get this quick ad of whatever is going on or like in Mass Effect when they have the different uh, kiosks and walls that have ads that are playing constantly Mm -hmm. stuff like that that can become and and like I was talking before about contamination and intrusion that sort of media presence because it is almost like being constantly spammed in ways that you can't control then becomes its own form of contamination and like in Paprika the different ads and billboards and things like that imagine if that became physically aggressive basically that i think is really cool Mm -hmm. like one of the things that i really am excited to do in this game since we discussed that we wanted to do an urban space is to play with a lot of things that show up in paprika and um satoshi khan's television series paranoia agent which is that ads billboards flyers and stuff like that consume so much space that they actually tend to become thought at some point and that complicates your relationship to your own brain and the outside world because you feel like there comes a point where you are only thinking in the terms that people have constructed for you to think. So I think that that would actually be really cool. Yeah, and having that analog versus digital kind of tension, I think, would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Next, what shapes our dreams? Choose one or two. Money, work, surveillance, possessions, edifices... Status, sexuality, conformity. All of these sound very intense, first and foremost. Sounds like a very 
emotionally hostile way to Im- to 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 self embody, <laughs> to, to to constantly have like to live in a, a state of mental doubt about any of these things. Sounds very harsh. I think, given that we are, it seems like we are pulling on fashion and ritual. Um, conformity seems to be the easiest one that, like, or at least the most obvious one that jumps out at that list uh, for me. Um, because so much of ritual and fashion is to delineate what you conform to or what you are conforming against. Um, yeah, so is that like conform uh, conformity as related to belonging? I imagine it also fits one's state of obedience as well, in the very kill-la-kill sense of what you wear is a signifier of who you are, who you belong to, what service you are bound to, etc. I take it that we're settling on the thing then? I think we are. Fair enough. Um, Next, what do we hide from others? Choose one or two. Passion, emotions, gender, vulnerability, authenticity, sexuality, intimacy, dissatisfaction. I think the focus on thin fashion here makes authenticity the obvious pull, but I also want to make a case for vulnerability. I was about to say the same things, yeah. Yep. Vulnerability in this space would be very intriguing. Especially, like, the, the notions, like, the various and things that have been spoken about, um, vulnerability and how it ties to authenticity, um, makes those two especially, um, obvious. Mm-hmm. things to jump out at. Yeah, because if, like, vulnerability, uh, like, if a state's subject is vulnerable, it compromises their ability to be, um, instrumentalized and to be a cog in a system. If you have feelings and you are worried about fulfilling those feelings, either the machine has to find a way to facilitate you or you stop being useful once you once this consumes your work. And playing with that would also be very intriguing. Would we want two there? The way that it was discussed and the way that it just kind of lines up with everything else is very unique in that it already begs a great deal of authenticity such that that is technically already its second without me asking much more of that question because of how it ties to everything else, which is very unique about these questions. I'm seeing ways in which they plug into each other and already ask or answer future questions, which is really neat. So, next. We who breach the barrier of dreams. Why do we wander in others' dreams? To uncover truths that others ignore? To help those whom society has forsaken? to escape the tedium of our day-to-day lives, to understand our waking lives, to banish the ghosts of our past, or to experience real intimacy. Is this speaking about the crew, or is it about people in general in this particular world state that we're building? It would be referring to you all, the PCs. No one else, very few people, if anyone, has the ability that you will have. So this is describing specifically you all. Why did you get into this thing? I think there's a case for intimacy where essentially the waking world is so focused on artifice and masks that the subconscious is the only place anyone takes those off. Uh Mm Aha. I think so too. I was just thinking about um, 
what I would try to build my character around. And I think their motivations, if they go in the direction that I'm thinking, it would fall most cleanly under the broader umbrella of intimacy. So yes, I agree with that. Well, so it means that we're essentially making like one of the binary delineations that we're making between the real world and the dream is essentially between one's true intentions and the face that they put on in the public world. And that you seek dreams primarily because it gives you the opportunity not only to see someone else for who they are, but to give them yourself as you truly are. So I'd love to make a pitch to also include to help those whom society has forsaken. Because if everyone is game with that, that for me instantly creates more of a shape to what this crew is and why this crew is. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, maybe we don't have to do that one, but... We're kind of on the edge of thinking about the characters and their relationships to each other. And when I was first like looking at In Amazing Dreams, I was not super into it because it felt um, it felt kind of felt less empathy, compassion, like optimism, heroism. I've come like I've changed that that view, um, especially as like Brandon was describing their their view or their kind of take on the playset. But this is a specific place where. If we're all interested, we can basically put a marker down about what we want from this series and we want what we want these characters to be about. Mm-hmm. I think it might turn into one of these like persona e things where we're going into the dream space to essentially reunite people with their true selves in a way. Like we are excavating the authenticity of you from under all this crap. And now you get why Persona 4 and Persona 5 were the two of my personal touchstones. Aha. Dream archaeology social workers is, like, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, pretty much. And, like... Well, mommy, but with feelings. <laughs> so, I guess, like, a thing worth considering as we go into the next question as a result is that that question, why do we wander in others' dreams, is framed as if to imply... Obviously, because this game implies this kind of energy of starting from season two. That you have done this before, and the, and you already have a reason for continuing to do this. Which begs the question, as a result, you got to this, you go, were given the power to enter the dream the first time, perhaps on accident, or through the machinations of another character, or... Uh, found yourself in your own dream at some point and found a way to not only get back out, but get back in. But what was the reason that you decided to do it the second time is a worthy question to ask as you fall into what is the following question, which is, what role do you play? Each protagonist choose one or two. Forbidden lover, best friend, reformed conspirator, disillusioned cynic, tragic genius, Weary caretaker, object of desire, oracle of the dream, target of the conspiracy. Can we put a pin in this one and come back to it during character creation? Because I think this is going to be strongly informed by our playbook choices. I mean, it directly informs the playbook choice that uh, one will make, but uh, we can definitely uh, follow that up after we get to some other things. But now that I've stated it, you, ca- you have time to think about it as well. Next, 
Uh, how do we pass our days? Mind-numbing repetition, boredom and despair, isolation and detachment, grueling dirty work, fruitless labor, or morally compromising jobs. Anyone else notice that every item on that list was a synonym for capitalism? Hey. I was about to say, you really have Why, to yes. attack my job like this? <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's daily life every day? Mm-hmm. You just All need to figure adults? out which part of it sucks more. Is it the work? Is it not being respected for the work? Is it not being paid well for the work? Is it that the work itself is just sucky and uncomfortable? Is it that it doesn't align with your values? What what part of capitalism irks you the most? We really can't do all of the above. <laughs> I, I'm noticing that it says on the sheet that we actually should now switch to selecting playbooks. <laughs> so it's, I just realized it's under what role do you play. Then it says instruct each protagonist to select a playbook. So maybe. To step back and then yeah, just do those together, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. So I guess we'll return to that question then. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi, everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.